welcome back to season one of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santamire, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with uh, Dr. John Easter. Um, Pat and I get to interview him once again we're, as we're going through these um, Assemblies of God World Mission competencies, and we're looking how they are contextualized within Africa. We just have a phenomenal conversation with John. Um, if you know John, he loves loves God's word. He he challenges you when he he speaks and he shares. He has passion. He weaves that in with personal story and really draws you in. And and basically, what we're talking about today is is the um, growth competency of, of the Bible and theology. And the importance of that is is we're working overseas, as we're endeavoring to share the love of Jesus Christ. And many people think, well, that's a given. That, well, what you'll find out as we sit down and talk with John today is uh, we probably have a little bit of room to grow in this area. And um, I, I sure know I do. And I know it was one thing that hit me in the face when, when we got to Burkina and even in Madagascar that a lot of my African brothers and sisters, man, they know God's word. And it challenged me to increase my Bible knowledge and my understanding and how it applied um, to me, how it applies to life and mission and um, that, that John shares today, it, the Bible is, is Jesus focused. It's not me focused. And I think in the world we live in where with, with the individualism, how that bleeds over in marketing, you look at marketing, marketing is all about the, the company wants you to be the hero. Well, the Bible is not about making me the hero. The hero of the story is Jesus. And, uh, and, and I think as we live in a world where we're advertised to death, that, that bleeds in that somehow the Bible's there to serve my purpose. Somehow the Bible's there to serve me. No, we are, we are part of um, serving him and uh, following Jesus in that way. So it's so excited to sit down once again with Pat and John and um, just to learn from them in this growth competency. Do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, which is agwmafrica.org for an increasingly redeemed and transformed Africa. 50 countries, 257 training centers, 404 missionaries, 79,106 indigenous churches. Discover what you can do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here uh, again today to discuss another competency. We, as you know, we've been going through the competencies, the Assemblies of God World Mission competencies, and so excited to be here with Pat Hurst and John John Easter. Pat, will you go ahead and um, do the introduction um, to the podcast, and then we'll then we'll run from there. Great, thanks, Aaron. It's uh, good to be back again as we going through these competencies. Uh, I'm really excited about uh, having John Easter with us today. Uh, John serves as as the uh, strategic leader for uh, all things training uh, for the Africa region, and uh, John also serves on uh, a few different uh, global committees with the Assemblies of God World Missions, and one of those is the Missiological Committee. And uh, out of their work a few years ago, the whole concept of revising missionary training emerged. And so John was instrumental uh, in helping to establish these six competencies that we're going through. Uh, and he teaches every summer during missionary training uh, on these competencies. So uh, we're excited to have John with us today. And our topic today is uh, uh, the competency of Bible and theology. And as I've mentioned, these competencies are directly anchored to our values uh, because we want our competencies to be uh, value driven. And so, again, uh, it's real easy to 
uh, to understand how this competency is anchored to our values. It directly touches two of them. Uh, the first one is uh, we are committed to a biblical understanding of the mission of the church. Uh, and then the second one is we are committed to proclaiming the gospel to unreached people. Uh, so this competency, and we're going to let John unpack it. I don't want to get too far into it, but basically it promotes an understanding of the biblical mission of the church uh, and enables the missionary in their proclamation of the truth of the gospel uh, to those who have never heard. Um, John, I, I heard uh, Paul Hebert say one time that every missionary is a theologian. Uh, the question is whether they're going to be a good theologian or a bad theologian. <laughs> Falls upon us because it's our responsibility to apply the gospel in a cross-cultural context. So, John, uh, we're excited to have you here with us today. I know our audience is going to be really blessed by what you have to share. So, uh, welcome, and maybe you could just start us off by just explaining to us um, what is, uh, if you could just describe and define uh, this competency. Yeah, and it's great to be with you guys. Pat, Aaron, love you both. And uh, so glad that we're featuring and emphasizing this on a podcast. I think it's so important that we, uh, that we consider uh, the nature of missionary training and, and what are those competencies that are included. I, I think that as we think of Bible theology as a competency, uh, I, I, our concern is is that uh, missionaries are growing in their knowledge and skills in the field of biblical interpretation uh, so that missionaries um, at least have the necessary theological base from which to frame our identity, our purpose, uh, to contextualize our evangelism, ministry, and even life uh, within a global context, no matter what field we're serving on. And that, and that, that doesn't become just a scientific kind of exercise where we're looking at fields of hermeneutics that can be scary at times to people if they haven't been to formal theological or ministerial training, but where it just really introduces them to some uh, just basic uh, principles to ensuring that we're interpreting and applying scripture in an appropriate way in our calling and, uh, and how important that is as a baseline, as a foundation piece to everything that we do and understand why we do it. John, do you have a story? Um, you know, we normally begin the podcast with kind of a lesson learned. Do you have this, like, uh, as we're talking about how this contextualizes into um, into Africa, maybe just a story that would kind of get us started into the conversation, maybe about maybe how someone did really well in this area or maybe not so well in this area? Yeah, well, I, I certainly think that uh, if we're looking not just in Africa but globally, I have, I don't know that one particular story comes to mind, but I've had a lot of experiences of encounters with missionaries who who really love Jesus, sense a call to the field, but would get on the field and then feel really inadequate or very insecure in terms of their Bible knowledge. And they're surrounded by, for example, in our context in Africa, where Africans quote the Bible uh, <laughs> you know, in, in ways that sometimes you're really quite amazed and not just the New Testament passages that seems to be the focus of, you know, U.S. Christian, Christianity, but really know the whole Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, Africans uh, uh, really value Scripture. So my stories in this particular case really come down to just looking at times where missionaries can feel a little inadequate, and there's an uneasiness there. 
And, uh, and so, you know, I think that it's so important for us to be able to identify that and realize that there are some issues we need to address early on to ensure that there's a sense of confidence and that the people that we're called to serve uh, can see that confidence in us. And boy, if it doesn't start with the Bible, then I'm not sure that they're going to glean a lot of confidence about learning from us in other areas. And so, so I think it's kind of baseline. No, that's good. That's good. So what you're, what I'm hearing you say is, John, we just can't assume that that we have that baseline knowledge um, when we come out, and maybe that, uh, as you shared, a lot of my African brothers and sisters, their Bible knowledge, man, it's it. I know when I arrived in Burkina and even in Madagascar, it was it was challenging for me that I needed to go deeper and uh, in my understanding and growth because I had some knowledge, been to Bible school, ordained pastor. But man, mm. they knew the Bible, and uh, there was uh, it was mm. it was a challenge for me. And so, can you just go a little bit deeper on on why this competency is so important for our missionaries? You know, I, I think that there are several, but let let me just name a few that come to mind. The first one is we need to recognize that we're coming out of a sending church today in the USA. Uh, assemblies of God, at least for our denominational mission, and I think this applies to any missionary that's being sent from the west from the Western Hemisphere today. Where at least in the United States, this is true in the UK, it's true in many other Western European nations, where biblical literacy is is at an all time low. So as our churches are recognizing and uh, those of us who are being sent from them to serve around the world and in our case, Africa, we, we come now from a, a church culture within a larger culture that is really in the midst of a literacy crisis when it comes to Bible knowledge. In fact, the Barna research that has been conducted for the last 20 years and probably um, the best resource to turn when learning about biblical literacy in the United States today has identified that, you know, of of all Christians in America probably read the Bible two times a year. They may pick it up and take it to church. Most don't even do that anymore because it's on their iPad or iPhone. They don't really even open those apps when they're in services because it's on a screen at the church. And so when you're thinking about that and then recognize that we are called out of those local churches, sent from those local churches, and from those denominational missions. And we, are, and we are basing that very call and purpose on what we learn from the Bible. Uh, that's very alarming. And so I think that we, we shouldn't assume anymore that people just come with a depth of Bible knowledge. And, uh, and I think that that's alarming on many counts. Uh, and so it's something that we really need to pay attention to. And I would consider that any missionary training today should, uh, should have the first priority of being able to measure and then encourage continued growth in biblical knowledge and appropriate application. I would say uh, a second area is really an area of knowing that the Bible has a certain agenda to it, um, and that that agenda creates a certain biblical worldview. And it begins really with understanding that the Bible itself is the story of God. It's not our story, and if it's separated from God's story. And so how we understand the the larger narrative of Scripture becomes so important 
to be able to see Scripture in a certain, with a certain lens. And if we come to Scripture feeling like the Bible randomly speaks about mission, it's an addendum, then we come with a, well, I would say that we, we, we approach our task in the world with a little bit of insecurity of not knowing exactly maybe what this thing's really all about, but we kind of got wrapped up in an emotion and we responded to a call and we find ourselves on a field and the world's too complex and it's too unpredictable today for us not to be certain of, of what God is truly doing in the world and what he's calling us to do and how we align our lives with that purpose. Um, and then thirdly, I would say it's important because scripture really, there's a utility to scripture. <laughs> scripture brings forth the ability to be able to harness it and apply it in ways that really make our tasks so much more easier if we understand uh, how to apply it appropriately. And when we don't, there's a sense of frustration. And what happens is, is we set the Bible aside for maybe inspirational points of emotional assurance and spiritual maybe growth uh, in our personal lives. But we usually don't use it as a utility for our work in ministry and in life, which is just so important for our not just survival, but thriving in life and thriving in ministry. So those are, those are at least three areas I would recognize. Uh, so, John, I, I agree with you, and this just resonates with me and, and my experiences and like what Aaron said, too, you know, arriving on the field. And all of a sudden, um, you realize that Matthew 28, wow, that's a great command and great calling. That wasn't enough to anchor me and help me stay on, on the field. Um, and it wasn't until I began to become exposed to the, just this very thing that you're talking about, uh, the, the agenda and the unity of the scripture. Um, so can you drill down a little bit further on that and, and what that encompasses? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is essential for every believer today, but certainly for missionaries. And, and first of all, I, I think we have to look at scripture as providing a direction in terms of the biblical story overall that it's not just a collection of a lot of unattached or unconnected stories in which we try to draw meaning from just one, and we're not sure how it relates to the other, because there are many stories in the Bible. There's a lot of narrative. There's a lot of principles. There's a lot of themes and concepts. How do they relate in terms of providing an overall trajectory to a larger story that we are called to participate in? And, and that is something that can be... Um, incredibly informative, but transformational mm -hmm. as we as missionaries begin to realize that the Bible has a missional direction to the inherent story that is that we see in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Um, I think it's really important when we're talking about this particular competency of Bible theology that we teach people that we really don't interpret uh, mission just in light of the Bible, but we interpret the Bible in light of mission. I, I think that that is really important when we talk about hermeneutics and, and interpreting Scripture, applying Scripture, um, even in the most practical ways as we serve the Lord personally, and then we're part of a, a larger missionary family as we're seeking, you know, our understanding of our identity and purpose, and then how we go about our task in a meaningful way. 
I think it speaks to the universality uh, when we talk about the missional direction of the story. It, it provides a scope to this mission, uh, which I think informs our call as well. And so this becomes really important that the Bible itself speaks to a storyline that is larger than ourselves. And then, of course, I would say secondly, that as we look at the Bible, we're teaching missionaries that there's a missional purpose to the Bible. In other words, the Bible comes to us in a very special way. In other words, the Bible doesn't just speak about mission in these randomly chosen scripture passages that typically come to mind, like Matthew 28 or Mark 16 or Luke 24 or Acts 1-8, that we kind of are the go-to missionary preaching text. But the Bible is itself a product of mission. In other words, we ask ourselves, why do we even have the Bible? I mean, honestly, how did we come to receive the Bible? And I think when we begin to see the Bible as not just a book that kind of speaks randomly about mission, but it itself is a product of mission, and that the purpose for the giving of the, the Scripture to us uh, is a part of God's divine action, and that it tells us the story of His activity in the world through His people as He calls them to participate and leads us towards the eschaton, we begin to see, oh my goodness, you know, the Bible itself is really a roadmap to what God's doing in the world and how he calls us to participate and makes sense for me, my own identity, my own creation, and then how I identify with the people of God and what that means in our world, our in time and space today. When we come to understand that as a missionary people, much less as the larger church, um, it revolutionizes, it provides a new lens of how we approach Scripture and, uh, and informs us and gives confidence about our engagement in the world. It's so critical. I would say a third area to that, Pat, would be the issue of understanding that the Bible also gives us a missional locatedness, if we can use that terminology. In other words, it not only informs God's people of the direction of the biblical story, where we're headed— what the end goal is, the purpose of the biblical writings, which is really the equipping of God's people to participate in what God's already doing in the world, but how it locates us in time and space, where we are, where we find ourselves within our lifetimes, the seasons of life. So if I read a passage of scripture in Micah or Amos, if I read it, for example, in the book of Acts, I'm asking myself some critical questions. What did this message mean to the people in that particular location, time, and social context? And then what does that mean for me today in terms of where I'm living, what it means for the people I'm called to serve, and how I'm supposed to serve them? That, that is really important to understand, that biblical interpretation helps us come to those conclusions. Fourthly, I think it's really important to understand that it doesn't just give us the larger framework, but this Bible theology competency helps us drill down where we know the missional engagement uh, of the biblical story as we are called to engage the world around us, the peoples that we're called to serve, the cultures we're called to live in. In other words, there's this dynamic of daily life that we engage the culture around us 
whether we're part of the sending church or as part of the sent ones, and we find ourselves in a foreign context, learning new language and culture. So the Bible helps us strategically as we're informed with Scripture, as we see what those patterns were for the New Testament church and how we continue to learn from that today. I, those are just four areas, and there could be more, but I, I think they're absolutely essential, and they're very practical. And when we understand them, they really help the missionary uh, engage in a much more meaningful way. John, you know, a guy like me, I came out to, went to Burkina as a nurse. I was going out to work with um, babies that had HIV and AIDS and mothers. And what, what if somebody like me says, well, you know, John, that's really good, but I'm, I'm going to be a nurse. Does this, do I really need to engage in this and understand this? Is it really that important? Because I'm not going to be teaching in a Bible school. I'm not going to be, what would be your response to a, a guy like me um, who didn't have a clue? Yeah, I, I think that my first response would be walking beside you to be able to allow you to see these four areas we talked about a moment ago. When we recognize that people bring different giftings, sometimes wonderful giftings like that, even in the, even the areas of medical engagement and compassion, how do you align that gift and passion with the larger narrative of God's redemptive activity in the world Amen. and what he's wanting to achieve? What is the final objective? So how do you, how do you harness that gift, apply it, position it, align it with the larger objective in mind? And what scripture does is it allows us to see the larger objective. And we see Jesus speaks very clearly in Luke 24, verses 44 through 48. It's an incredible passage where it's after his resurrection. He's walked on this story, this little narrative story of him meeting these disciples after his resurrection on this road to Emmaus. He reveals himself. Then he comes and he's part of a larger group of disciples. And he says to them, hey, if you want to interpret scripture and understanding what life is about, he said, everything written in the scriptures, and he's very specific, he says, including the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, which to the Jewish community and audience, they understood that was the entirety of scripture. He says, he says it speaks of, number one, he says, it speaks of me, my death, my resurrection, and the preaching of repentance and forgiveness of sins in my name to all nations. That is really amazing, because what Jesus is saying is, I am the hermeneutical key to the entire Bible, and whether you've seen it before or not, if you read the Bible in light of me, you will see that I am the beginning and the end. Everything in Scripture points to me, and your purpose and your, 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 your trajectory in life is connected now to me. And, and so if I'm coming as an individual and I have a certain gift, a certain passion, I want to be able to show them that how that amazing gift and that passion can align with this overall trajectory so that we are not the, the center of the narrative, but he is the center of the narrative, and we learn what he's primarily concerned about at the very end of the day. Yeah, and uh, I think that that's really important. That's good. I, I just know the mistake I made is I focused so much on the the profession I was coming out as and the uh, the weakness. I mean, I had many weaknesses. I mean, but the but biblical knowledge is one of them because I was thinking about nursing and this is what I'm going to do as a nurse, 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 nurse. And then I realized, wow, 
um, there was uh, an area that um, that I was definitely <laughs> lacking in. And uh, anyway, appreciate it yeah, very and much. By, and by the way, Aaron, I think that what you're bringing up here is so important, not just for people who come with non-biblical backgrounds. This can actually be an issue who has someone who has a BA or MA and, or a divinity degree. Uh, and, and, and honestly, they've studied the Bible, but they don't connect it with the larger understanding of what God's doing missionally. Is it possible to have a PhD in biblical exposition and miss the point of the scripture? It, it happens all the time. And so, and so this is why we can't assume, not just in the area of biblical literacy, uh, but even for those who may have an incredible knowledge of hermeneutical method, but they kind of miss the point to what scripture is really teaching. That's good. John, as you shared, um, what are some of the current threats that, that obviously we've put this competency in there for a particular purpose and particular re- a reason? And so what are some threats and why is this company so relevant um, to the vision and mission of AGWM missionaries today? I think there are, um, I would probably name four. I know that others might be named. Others may prioritize these threats differently than me. Let me just throw out four quickly. Number one is the changing situation of the church in Western culture. And really, honestly, in the global world today, it's not just limited to the Western church and Western culture. I think number one, within that shift in Western, the Western church is a acceptance of universalism. There is a large growing threat, even within our ranks, uh, in terms of being influenced by Western cultures in, uh, embracing of, uh, of a universalism where we don't believe that Jesus is the only way. He is a way uh, some may say he's a preferred way. Uh, he, uh, of course, we know universalism would teach that he is one way among many, that all roads lead to the top of Mount Fuji. And I, I think this is a real threat because even as we thought about Luke 24 and Jesus saying, hey, I'm kind of the hermeneutical key to Scripture, and my and what God's been doing throughout history the continuity continues with me, and, the, and it's going to be fulfilled in the eschaton. Keep your eyes on me. I think when we abdicate our conviction about Jesus being that key, then, then really we have to ask ourselves, then what's the point with the rest of it? Um, and so I think that it's really important that we recognize that many candidates will start applying to serve overseas that are really genuinely, authentically grappling with this theological crisis because they're in, they've been more influenced by the culture in Western society than they have been with the biblical message. And I think that's a real threat. Um, and so we, we have to be cognizant of the fact that we are products of our culture and, and we are no longer a Christian society. We are a post post Christian society. And now that we're on the other side of that, we we can't assume anything. And I think it's a great question and something that we need to assume that the majority of new candidates coming in quietly are probably wrestling with this issue. Mm. And, And I would say another area would be something that is related to that first point, 
but the identity issues constructed by Western hyper-individualism. Hyper-individualism creates a sense in which we are the main characters of, our own, of, of the larger story. And I think that when you come to the biblical text, what the Bible theology competency teaches us is that we're actually not the main characters. We're supporting characters. The, the, the main character in Scripture is God himself, who is working out his redemptive purposes and allows us to not only participate in it by being part of that redemptive work, but then participating in that redemptive work toward an incredible uh, uh, objective that leads us into the eschaton. And I have to, that means I have to put my, myself into a position where I'm, I'm not the lead character. It's not all about me. I'm having to die to myself. This, the biblical story calls me to a process of dying to myself so a new John Easter can emerge that God calls me to as part of that, uh, as part of the death and resurrection of Jesus that I'm participating in. A third area would be growing convergence in our society on a new understanding of mission. Now, what do I mean by that? Mission, we cannot assume that everybody defines mission in the same way. In the larger ecumenical and Protestant church world, how they define mission today is probably quite different than how we define mission. We would come to the biblical narrative and look at the scope of it and say, okay, what is the primary story that informs us what God's you know, concerns are for the world and what he's doing redemptively to bring that about and our part in that? In other words, God sets the agenda, and we learn that agenda through the biblical story. Today, the conciliary and Protestant church would look at it and say, actually, what we see Scripture saying is that the world sets the agenda. In other words, the needs of the world set the agenda first, and the church is one part of that story. It's not really central in part of that story. We shouldn't seek to set the agenda. The world should set the agenda. So the agenda becomes racial reconciliation. Now, is the Bible concerned about that? Oh, obviously, but it leads to Jesus. In other words, we would say, hey, we believe this is an incredible issue that's a part of the felt needs of our world today that's emerging in so many societies. We should speak prophetically to this. Uh, we should be proactive and not just reactive. Uh, we need to be at the front line of this, certainly, modeling what this means and speaking forth truth to our societies. But is that the end objective, or is it that we lead people to Christ to really uh, as we find out in Scripture in Ephesians, you know, he breaks down the middle wall of division. Mm-hmm. He is, it's in him that we find true reconciliation, that horizontal reconciliation is not even possible until vertical reconciliation occurs. And so let me get to my fourth area of threat, because this deals, they all interplay. I would say that the doctrine of salvation determines your theology of mission. If you say that the the primary human dilemma is suffering and poverty and social injustice and racial um, conflict. If you say that's the primary problem with the human dilemma, then you start, you start with a, a different understanding or 
uh, uh, what shall we say? You start with a different understanding of what the 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 the, the, the what it's going to take to bring about salvation. What is it that's going to bring harmony? What's going to bring shalom or peace? But if you begin with the premise based on the biblical story that the primary human dilemma is a broken relationship with a, with a triune God, then you begin to think, okay, this changes the equation here. This informs not only my issue, the world's issue, but how we're to go about that in a way that brings about true reconciliation and, 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 and really true peace. So if I'm coming up as a young missionary today in our ranks, and I love Jesus, but I'm not sure about the world, and I'm coming out of a larger culture that has all these questions, how I approach the scripture and understand scripture is going to radically determine how I approach and engage the world around me and, and how important those issues are. That's wow. There's just so many things and directions we could go with this, John. Uh, we're going to have to do some other podcasts with you and, and talk more about this. Uh, but uh, I'm wondering, you know, I've hung around you uh, for quite some time now, and uh, I know you to be a person who has high regard for uh, for the scriptures. And uh, I'm wondering if you could just tell a, a story um, or share with you. Um, what impact the scriptures have, have had on you, how they've impacted you as a person and, and as a missionary? I was blessed because I grew up under the influence of a grandfather who came to Jesus at 29 years old. And my family's background was pretty rough. They were sharecroppers. They moved from field to field, different state to state in the United States, um, abusive to the women in their lives, visited bars, uh, rough lives. Most of them were illiterate. They didn't have education. My grandfather had a second grade education. He actually tried to go back to the third grade, but the story by the family is, is that the older kids or the younger kids started laughing at him as someone who was at that time should have been in junior high. And so he got up and walked out of the class. Um, my great grandfather, there's stories of him on several occasions actually coming in once where he had a knife that was still lodged into his abdominal area because he was so intoxicated and been in a bar fight, but didn't even realize he had been stabbed. Uh, stories of on several occasions where my great-grandfather would, would break a window in the middle of downtown areas in order to purposely get thrown into county jail, because back then they would feed your family if you were in jail. Uh, when my grandfather came to Jesus, he came at a moment where you know, he was wearing a cowboy hat and I think a tank top and shorts and cowboy boots. And he was on a golf course <laughs> and, uh, and, and a beer in his hand and, and just was someone who uh, was just rough. But when, when he came to Jesus, I often say he came to Jesus. He had a transformative experience and ended up teaching himself how to read by reading scripture he was a pipe fitter later on for Phillips Conoco, which became Phillips Chevron and retired with them. He, he was one of the, even to this day, I, I have not known many people like him that would memorize large segments of scripture. And he could pull scripture out at a, at a point that was so appropriate. Uh, an amazing person was not a pastor. He became a deacon in his church 
loved to teach, and he loved personal evangelism. At his funeral, and I was, I was one of those that was honored to speak at his funeral, I cannot tell you how many people came up to me that were just blue-collar workers, uh, hard people, rough people, and said, hey, you know, you can't imagine how, how messed up my life was until your grandfather got a hold of me and personally led me to Jesus on the factory floor. Uh, my life is different now. I, I mean, scores of people. He loved personal evangelism, was not ashamed of the gospel, and had a natural way of doing it where he could provoke people, but somehow just they loved him. They just loved him. The first passage of Scripture in the Bible that I memorized was Psalm 1, and the reason I did is because I overheard as a young boy my, my grandfather sharing a story that that was the first passage of Scripture that he memorized. And years later, as I grew up, I came to just love the Word of, of God and try to memorize it. When he was diagnosed, my grandfather, with a brain tumor a few years ago, I remember that he ended up having this, he opted to have this brain surgery that would only extend his life if the Lord didn't intervene by a few months. And I remember being there on that day at MD Anderson Hospital, downtown Houston. And my family went home and uh, there was no reason to stay. We couldn't get back there to him, but I decided to stay. I was really having a hard time. And I remember about one o'clock in the morning, I saw a nurse walk out of a certain area and they had warned me not to go back, but I snuck back into the back of the ICU. And I was shocked when I saw him because of just the condition he was in. And I remember walking up to his bed and taking his hand and he looked up at me at that moment. I'm not sure how conscious he was, if he knew where he was, except there was a moment that God gave me, and that is, is I just looked at him and started quoting Psalm 1. Mm. And I quoted the entire uh, chapter, and as I got through verse 1, my grandfather began to quote with me word for word uh, the rest of that chapter. And when we got to the final verse, he smiled at me and shut his eyes and went to sleep. And those are moments in my life that God has given me, and many, many more as a missionary, as I have learned that there's no greater gift that God has given us than to tell us why we exist, how much he loves us, how he's working in our lives to restore us from our fallenness, our weakness, our sinfulness, the destructiveness that we, we bring and to restore us in a community based on his saving purpose and what the end goal is and how we can participate with him to invite others to participate and enjoy that process as well. What an incredible gift. So how can I, not just as a believer, but as someone called to be sent to tell other people, to give witness to what God is doing, how can I not see that as the most important competency that I can have in my life is just to be aware of this amazing story and that it has been given for the purpose of me knowing what God's doing because he values, he shares that information with us. You know, I've served under a lot of leaders that are good and sometimes not so good. And the best leaders I've ever had are those that allow me to understand the why behind what they're asking us to do. And God leads us into the future, and he gives us a really good understanding of what he's wanting to accomplish, the why behind it, 
and allowing us to be part of that in a very meaningful way. John, I appreciate you sharing that um, story. I think it, it takes a, a competency and it makes it puts it down on a personal level and it allows us to see the transformation that um that the God's words had had in your family and how it transformed lives. And you said we're stewards of that. We have a responsibility um to, to share that and its accuracy and um and, and to to really understand it. John, if somebody's listening today to the podcast and um they're thinking, you know, this is something I really really like to grow in, do you have any resources or that you would suggest for somebody to to maybe dive deeper in? on this? You know, there are so many resources available and oddly enough, most of them have come available in the last 10 years. And I would say, absolutely. There are many resources and uh, I can name them by name. I'd be willing to assist anyone that would like to have them. There are several books out that I think are very practical, not academic. They can be academic, but many of them are practical in nature. You, You don't need a degree to kind of understand Uh, the purpose behind them and how it informs us of the importance of how to grow in biblical knowledge, and more importantly, how to read scripture in a way that we believe God intended it to be read. And, uh, And so, yes, there are quite a few resources out there today, I'm glad to say, and it'd be great to share those uh, if there's a way to do that. For sure. We can include those in the in the show notes. And um, if somebody's looking, we can just include the names and maybe the authors of those in the show notes and people could refer there and, uh, and, uh, and that'd be a way to access them. Pat, do you have any other questions for, for, for John today? I would just add that eventually with the uh, leadership growth app uh, that you're also working on, Aaron, we'll have uh, resources loaded up there uh, for this competency and, and the other competencies as well. Uh, John, as always, uh, it's great to hear you share your heart. Uh, this is a competency that you're passionate about, and uh, I know that uh, I know that our, our listeners are going to be uh, be blessed by today's uh, episode. So, thank you, John, for uh, taking your time and uh, just sharing with us. John, uh, it's my John, it's been great to have you. Would you Would you mind? Um, we end the normally end, well, we end all podcasts um, <laughs> in prayer. Would you pray that God will use um, what you've shared today and your personal story to speak to hearts and lives, and that they will take um, what you've shared and put it into action, and um, to put it into action to grow deeper in their understanding of God's word and and, and the mission that we're on. It would be my pleasure. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone who's listening to this podcast. And as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, I just pray that you would give us all a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. As he prayed for them, we pray for ourselves. We pray for everyone listening that you would give us the eyes so that our hearts can be enlightened, that we may know the hope to which you call us. What are the riches of your glorious inheritance that you've provided to all of those who are called by your name? That we would understand the immeasurable greatness of your power toward all of us who believe according to the working of your great might and power. That you worked in Jesus Christ when you raised him from the dead, when you seated him at the right hand of God. And far above all rulers and authorities and powers and dominions, And far above every other name that's named, we submit our lives to you. And we thank you, Lord, first of all, that you've given us the biblical record. We thank you for the unity of Scripture. We thank you for its storyline. 
We thank you that you have revealed that we are called to be part of that great story. And as we follow you, we trust you in all of these things and ask that as we grow in wisdom and revelation, that you would give us the confidence, that you would give us just a sense of favor to be able to fulfill the ministry you've called us to do among those you've called us to serve. And we give you praise today. We give you thanks. We're very humbled of your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.